With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Before we roll the audio on this PFT Live podcast, we want you to know that Mike Florio does an afternoon podcast. Why? To catch all the late-breaking news and developing stories in the NFL, of course. So you got to subscribe to PFT PM as well. Go to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Art19, or Google Play. Search PFT PM and subscribe. Boom. Done. Thanks for the support. Now, stats. Another hour of the PFT Live podcast. Breeze under center, eye formation, takes the handoff, looks to throw, wide open, touchdown! 540 touchdowns, Drew Brees take a bow. So they we're playing both these teams next year, uh, the Saints, so. Wait, wait, yeah. you just announced oh, your decision. he's coming he back, just, he's coming back, baby. We're Once playing. a Saint, always a Saint. <laughs> <laughs> Once a Saint, always a Saint, and a Saint for 2020, the announcement came yesterday. And Chris, you and I both got the unmistakable vibe. It's easy for us to say it now, but we've been saying it ever since we had him on set that Friday before the Super Bowl. Yes. This guy's coming back. Yes. We had the sense he's coming back. He's coming back, and now it's official. He's coming back for 2020. Yeah, it's awesome that he's coming back. I mean, come on. It's Drew Brees. He's a living legend. It's the New Orleans Saints. They're a team that's on the cusp of the Super Bowl every year. It's just been one tragedy after another. And you're right, Mike. I mean, he couldn't really hide it, right? I I really felt like – I truly felt like that clip there was a Freudian slip. Like, I don't think he really meant for it to come out that way. And then once we called it, you know, he didn't know how to react. But uh, it is. It's great to see him back. It is. Is. And now the Saints and that quarterback situation becomes very entertaining going forward. Not only him with Taysom Hill, Teddy Bridgewater, how do they balance it all? And uh, it'll be fun to watch. And look, I have to press pause here for a second and congratulate you. I feel like we should fire off confetti. After two and a half years of doing this show, you finally nailed it with Freudian. Thank you. I have heard Every possible pronunciation, yes, n- none of which were even remotely accurate. Freudian, extra syllables, Freudian letters almost that came aren't out in today. there. It almost came out today, yeah. Freudian. But good, well done, <laughs> Freudian. You. And I think you're right. I think he slipped. We had him on the ropes on which team he was going to pick to win the Super Bowl. Right. So his safe harbor was, well, I really shouldn't say anything because we're going to play both of these teams next year. And it came out and it was too late to take it back. And we busted his chops. 
But even without that, I had a sense he was coming back. And look, this is good for football. This is good for football fans. We are still in the middle of a golden age of quarterbacking that we need to appreciate. We've got the old guys still hanging around. Tom Brady going on 43. Drew Brees is 41. They're still there. Ben Roethlisberger getting closer and closer to 40. He's still here. You've got Aaron Rodgers on the wrong side of 35. He's still going strong. Russell Wilson, 31. He wants to play until he's 45. And he got all these guys under 30 yeah. who are great players. Right. There are so many great quarterbacks right now in the NFL. It's never been like this before, Chris. No, it, it is. It's a plethora of quarterbacks. And it's, it's an awesome dynamic to what you mentioned there because, yeah, we have living legends who are, hey, no, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, living legends, first ballot Hall of Famers, amazing, all that. But they're not the best quarterbacks in football right now, but still good enough to win Super Bowls with and playing at a, at a, a you know, a remarkable high level for their age. And then, yes, there is the young guys of the group, the Watson, the Mahomes, and everything about that who are chasing these guys down, their stats, their records, Super Bowl titles. They're trying to use these guys as a benchmark. It is a very cool dynamic right now in the NFL. And the other thing I'll say about Drew Brees, I'm just, you know, you know, I, I'm, again, I'm amazed about him and Brady and what they're doing. I mean, the athlete he still is, the toughness Brees still shows in the pocket to hang in there. And I think the other thing I liked is the other thing he said to us, Mike, at the Combine. You know, I think he's gotten to a point where, hey, of course he's got an ego. He's got to have an ego to be Drew Brees, but not enough to where he wants to compromise the teams. And the thing he said about Taysom Hill about, uh, oh, if we have to play him 15 snaps or 25 snaps a game, I'm all for it. And I truly believe him when he said that. I think at this point of his career, there's nothing more he wants than another Super Bowl title. And I think he realizes Taysom Hill is a good curveball for that offense. And we're going to play that sound in a second, but here's another point that I want to make before we do that. Yeah. We were asking Breeze about the issue of retirement, and, you know, it's been hard, I think, for Saints fans to process what the team has gone through the last three years, to be so close, to be tantalized every year, and to have it all come crashing down. But I think from Breeze's perspective, the way these three years have gone is far better than the three years before that, and it was the three years before that that had him engaged in some serious soul-searching Heading into 2017, he told us, and I'd never heard him say this anywhere else, that he was seriously considering retiring after 2017. Yeah, right. If it had been like the three years before it, where they were seven and nine, eight and eight, not in the playoffs, but that that great season, even though it ended with a disastrous outcome in Minnesota, then another great season, then another great season. I think having three straight great seasons, regardless yeah. of the outcome, that was the fuel to get him to come back. And if he comes back and he's sharing the job with Taysom Hill, I'm going to go ahead and play that sound that you mentioned earlier yeah, so okay. we can button that. Yeah. Hang on to your point. I see you getting ready. I see the f- – yeah, I, from my peripheral vision this way, I see you doing this. But let's, let's hear what Drew Brees had to say when we raised the possibility of a job-sharing arrangement where we see a lot more Taysom Hill – playing quarterback than we have in the past. Here's Breeze from just a couple of days before the Super Bowl. I'll be the first one to sit here and tell you that if, if, if I'm back and, and Taysom's there alongside me, call the plays that are going to put us in the best position to win. Right. And if that means Taysom Hill is taking 30 snaps a game, 25 snaps a game, then so be it. Yeah. I'm all for that. Again, Breeze with us just a couple of days before the Super Bowl. And at, we, we, here's the thing. We don't know 
how it's going to play out. And once we hear, number one, how much they're paying Breeze this year, and number two, how much they're going to have to pay Hill to keep him around, we're going to have a better understanding of whether and to what extent that job is going to be shared right. this year. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it's going to be another year like last year. Maybe they're just going to work Hill in more on offense where he's not the quarterback, given how dominant he was in that playoff game. But it's going to be an interesting balance for Sean Payton to strike. But Drew Brees has already said, hey, whatever it is, as long as we're winning, I don't care, Chris. Yeah, well, and you're right, Mike. I think the big thing there as far as pertaining to Hill and Drew Brees is the contract, the money, the situation. That will tell us a little bit about, I think, how much they intend to use Taysom Hill, You know, how much they intend really for him to be the future of the franchise and all of that. And, of course, you know, you mentioned it many times. Taysom Hill, he's a freak player, and you, you said it, you know, and you're spot on. He was the best player on the field of that Vikings game. You know, he does. He brings something special to that offense, and it's something that's hard to prepare for. We saw that with everybody trying to stop Lamar Jackson this year. So imagine just trying to stop that type of offense along with the dissection of Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And then the other thing too, Mike, to what you said before about Brees, right, with the, the last three years. I mean, that's that's to me the biggest thing, and, and you're spot on. I mean, th- th- that's where it is. That's why he's back. This team is a Super Bowl team still, and I think he knows that, yeah, just juggling a few pieces here in the offseason, a free agent here, a free agent there, and a few draft players, and they're going to be right in the mix again for home field advantage, and I think he's going, I feel healthy. I still got drive to want to play the game. Why retire? I got a chance to, to win another Super Bowl. They got a good old line running backs offensive play caller defense is good they really got it all and so I think that's got to help the situation out when you know you have that support system you know there's a belief in league circles that in any given year there are 10 teams that have a realistic shot at winning the Super Bowl and then everybody else and really 10 organizations that get it and the other 22 just kind of spinning their wheels and hoping to maybe get lucky from time to time the Saints who for years had been one of the other teams, have been for the last 15 years one of the teams that is in the mix to win it, and especially the last three and going into this year. And so many crazy things can happen that separate winning from losing, that keep a team from getting to the next level of the playoffs, getting to the Super Bowl, whatever, but you got to be in the mix to see where you can land, and I think Breeze happy to embrace that challenge. Now, here's the other challenge for the Saints, Chris, because they're going to have a budget that is available for all three of their quarterbacks. And I'm a firm believer they're going to need three because it can't just be Drew Brees with Taysom Hill as the backup because it's going to be a different offense for Taysom Hill. Big Cat was on last Wednesday, and he had me on the ropes a little bit over the idea of Taysom Hill being a franchise quarterback. His argument is, well, why wasn't Taysom Hill the guy who played the five games when Drew Brees was injured? And a point that a reader made that I wish I had thought of at the time you got to dramatically change the offense for Taysom Hill. Sure. It's a new attack altogether. If Drew Brees is the starter and Drew Brees gets injured, you need a backup like Teddy Bridgewater that you can plug in to run the Drew Brees offense. They're going to need a guy like that, and it's not going to be Teddy Bridgewater because Teddy Bridgewater is going to get a lot more money to go somewhere else. That's going to be the challenge for them in maybe the second wave of free agency, yeah. finding the guy who can come in and be the number two in the Drew Brees offense. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, you know, first off, I don't know if they were totally comfortable with Taysom Hill with all the drop back pass stuff. It's all improving and all of that. But you're right. They would have had to change the offense to a degree. Uh, So that is a stress on the team. You know, the contract situation and – Yeah, what they do if Teddy Bridgewater leaves town, which I think we both expect him to, 
you know, yeah, well, they got to bring somebody else in or they're endangering Taysom Hill and the team in general. You know, Taysom Hill can easily get hurt on special teams or one of these runs we're talking about when he is Lamar Jackson on the edge. And then, damn, you don't have a backup quarterback. So that's, to me, part of this that I'm excited to see, too, is just what is going to be their plan of attack? If they're really serious about Taysom Hill for the future, right, and then they make him the true backup this year, he's the true number two, then I don't know if we're going to see a ton of him in any package, really. I I think they'd have to be careful if they've given him money where they also want to be the future. Now, if they do like what they did last year, what you're saying is bring in another version of this year's Teddy Bridgewater, a guy who they feel like is a legitimate pocket passer who's had reps that way and do that. And now, you know, Taysom Hill's in the same role he's been in the last few years. But it's still dangerous if he's the future. And that's the things I want to hear Sean Payton talk about when, you know, he gets in front of a, a microphone once again. And, and I also think that, that they're in a position where they can attract a, a highly competent backup Definitely. to Drew Brees. Somebody who would take less money to be part of that organization in New Orleans uh, versus going to a team that that just needs a backup, and well, we need a backup. We need to check that box and have a backup. There's a greater opportunity to be part of a winning program. We saw what happened last year with Drew Brees. He missed five games due to injury. There's an opportunity to play, right. and then there's an opportunity to be the backup to Taysom Hill if Taysom Hill becomes the starter in 2021 and possibly gets injured, and then you get to step in and play for Sean Payton. That's who right. Who's going to get the most out of you? Whatever you are as a quarterback. He's going to get the most out of you. So I think it's going to be a very attractive spot if Teddy Bridgewater leaves and they're going to be able to get someone who could probably get more money somewhere else because that someone is going to see the benefit. Just like Bridgewater did last year when Miami wanted to make him the starter. He wanted to make they wanted to make him their Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. He almost did it. And then he realized I'm better off staying here. Yes. With. Sean Payton and look he's he's I don't know you know this notion he's going to get 30 million is being put out there by agents who are trying to scare teams away from Teddy Bridgewater but I think he's going to get 20 and that's a hell of a lot more than we would have thought a year ago he was going to get yeah that's right I mean he's going to dance around that type of number you're right you know or a very high level backup quarterback number whatever it may be but to your point Mike I mean you're spot on it's going to be a backup quarterback position in demand for the free agent quarterbacks out there because you're just put in a position to succeed. The team's good. The offensive play caller's brilliant. And that can add years to your career and your value, just like you just said with Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, he's looked at it a different way because of the way he played and executed that offense. So that'll be huge. Yes, but backup quarterbacks are quarterbacks that are looking to, yeah, I know I'm a backup, but I think I have potential to be a starter how can I give myself a better perception around the NFL and get a chance to be a starter once again New Orleans is the perfect place I mean Breeze is old Taysom's a physical runner I mean there's just a lot of chances that you might get out on the field and when you do the team around you is very good as well and that always leads to good things so good news for the Saints and look we didn't find this as a surprise but it's another domino that's fallen. We've had three quarterback dominoes fall so far this offseason. One, Eli Manning retires. Two, Phillip Rivers leaving the Chargers. Three, Drew Brees coming back again and playing for the Saints. Of course, the big domino that will fall maybe one month. No, not one month from today. Four weeks from today. Got to get it right. 29 days. Month. 29 days. Today, no, no. Today, it's it's four weeks. Four weeks today? Four weeks from today. Okay. The process opens. Four weeks. When we return, 
Yesterday, some other news, an established franchise quarterback has another weapon. Greg Olson makes a choice, and he's going to partner up with Russell Wilson. We'll talk about Greg Olson and his decision to join the Seahawks when PFT Live continues right after this. Greg Olson had four choices, technically. He could have selected the Seahawks, the Bills, or Washington, or Fox. He decides to go to Seattle and join forces with Pete Carroll, Russell Wilson, and company. Another weapon for Russell Wilson. And look, Chris, last year, Will Disley was doing well at tight end until he tore an ACL against the it was the Browns or a week before that. And then Jacob Hollister was okay. Not spectacular, but good enough. Yeah, that's now right. Now Greg Olson, 35 years old. You know, I don't know what he's got left in the tank. And the thing about Father Time is he will kick your butt suddenly and without warning. But I kind of like the idea of Greg Olson squeezing out one more year with a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. He's accustomed to playing with a franchise quarterback in Cam Newton. And this gives... Wilson, somebody he can throw the ball to if Wilson is is adamant, as he seemed to be when we saw him a couple of weeks ago at the Super Bowl, about maybe trying to put the pedal to the metal and move things along and 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 use his ability to create, not just with his feet, but with his arm. Yeah, well, you know, and tight end, the, the Seattle Seahawks and the Russell Wilson era and Pete Carroll, they valued that position. They have. And, you know, Greg Olson, yeah, he's not the player he was five and six years ago, but he is still good. He is. I mean, just when I watched him this year and he's, you know, healthy, you know, he's still capable of getting open in the pass game and making plays that way. And he's still a viable blocker. I mean, he's not a killer at the end of the line of scrimmage. It's not like it's George Kittle, but it's still good. So you're getting everything as far as what the Seattle Seahawks want. You know, they're a balanced football team that Arizona kind of run first. Yeah. Like we've heard Russell say, we want them to change a little bit, but Olsen dependable. Uh, it's a huge position for them. My only thing I would say to Seattle, I love the signing, and I think Greg Olson was really smart to go there. I mean, if you want to be a part of a team that's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl and put up good stats and maybe extend your career, I think Seattle was the right place. But I do think Seattle's also, with his injury history just the last few years, they got to sign a few other tight ends too for the just-in-case plan uh, because he is at that age of his career where things are you know, starting to fall apart a little bit. Yeah, we don't know where Will Disley is in his rehab from the ACL tear, but Russell Wilson had a strong affinity for Disley, not just what he does on the field, but what he brings to the locker room, et cetera. Hollister, again, good enough. Now, Seahawks fans wish he would have been a couple more inches better at the goal line in Week 17, the last game of the regular season, or the Seahawks would have won the division and the 49ers would have been relegated to the number 5 seed. But, you know, it's, look, I, 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 I like it because... We, we don't see the Seahawks typically do this. They did the trade for Jimmy Graham that never really worked because, I don't know, they expected him to show up and block. Are you kidding me? That's yeah. not what he does. No. And then they were frustrated when he didn't block. That's not what he does. That's not who you traded for. So I think this time around, they go into it with the understanding of who they're getting, what they're getting, what the what the abilities are, what the limitations are. And and look, the, the guy it brings leadership instantly. That's right. The, the locker room's going to respect him. And he gets a chance to to chase a championship. You know, of the three teams that he was considering, Chris, the Seahawks are the ones best positioned to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, it was you know Seattle, Buffalo, and Washington, right? That's the three that it came down to. 
And, you know, I, I did like the Buffalo prospects there. I think that is a, ta- a team and an offense that knows how to use the tight end as well. But you're right. I mean, come on. At the end of the day, the Seattle Seahawks were inches away from being first round by. And who knows where that discussion goes if they do get that touchdown or first down or anything like that. Uh, and, and the other thing I'll say, too, Mike, about is if you're purely X's and O's in football, the thing I like about it here as well, yeah, they run the ball. We know that. But they got two freaky guys on the edge right now, and we spent some time with one of those freaks at the Super Bowl. I mean, DK Metcalf, is a, he's a budding superstar. You know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we came back here next year at this time of the year and we go, eh, DK Metcalf's one of the three or four best receivers in football. And then with him, Lockett on the outside, now you have a guy like Olsen to work the middle of the field too, who's a big target. Wilson's sometimes a little reluctant to throw the ball in the middle of the field because of his lack of height. And I don't know if he always sees clearly, but to have a big target like this will encourage that and I think make them a lot harder to defend in their pass offense. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and, and and I think that you know if this team wants to get back to the Super Bowl, and there is that urgency that is beginning to creep out in Russell Wilson. He's eight years into his career. He's got one Super Bowl win, another Super Bowl appearance. You, you have to address your areas of need, and you have to show a willingness to go out and be aggressive. And, and maybe this is just the beginning, not the end, of what the Seahawks are going to be doing. I don't know that Greg Olson falls into the superstar category at this stage of his career that Russell Wilson was talking about before the Pro Bowl, but Russell Wilson has made it clear he wants to see them add pieces on both sides of the ball because it's not going to be easy to emerge in the NFC. It's not going to be easy to emerge in the NFC West. No, it's not. With the 49ers and the Rams and the Cardinals. So they've got their work cut out for them, and I like to see them being aggressive with their their attempt to try to get back to where they were. You know, it was in 2018 that Russell Wilson told me it felt like 2012 all over again, which means next year you win a Super Bowl. Now this year, 2019, Pete Carroll made the reference to 2012 all over again. Right, right. At some point, it's got to be 2013. Well, they're and getting close. I like the idea that they're trying to make this year 2013. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Mike. They're, they're getting close, right? I mean, they're there. This is It feels does feel like that because this, too, is the other aspect. They have a lot of money to play with for the first time in the offseason. So they can buy and improve their football team. And we'll be back at PFT right after this. I know I don't talk about it much, but I want to be a team for life. You know what I'm saying? I, I plan to stay here forever, man. We have not only one championship, two, three, four. Man, we got to build a dynasty here. You know what I'm saying? Chris Jones after the Super Bowl, making it clear that he wants to stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, he didn't hold out this year trying to get his new contract. There's a belief he's going to get one. He may get franchise tagged before that happens, but he's one of the top defensive free agents. We've spent so much time as it relates to a process that begins four weeks from today. Did we mention it starts four weeks from today? When free agency begins four weeks weeks from from today. today. We focus so much on the quarterbacks. And Chris, I know that that's a pet peeve of yours. The, the, The game is driven too much by quarterback focus let's focus on defensive free agents and let's start with Chris Jones I don't expect him to leave right especially after the performance in the Super Bowl they're not letting this guy get away they'll tag him if they have to and they're going to pay this guy what he deserves I I I would think so I mean first off I I thought still like don't know if we paid enough attention to that tweet Chris Jones sent out when he said thanks to Kansas City fans you know and whatever I got love for y'all whatever it was he sent out you know that that to me was a little weird that showed me that maybe there's not a lot of talks for a long-term contract yet because I, I do think that's got to be a real thing, right? I mean, I would think they're thinking about paying Mahomes this offseason and getting out in front of that. 
Chris Jones is going to be in the conversation for one of the high, the highest defensive player, paid defensive player in the NFL. I do. I think he's going to be able to command that type of contract. So ultimately, I don't know if they're going to get to that. I'm with you. I think the franchise tag is a very real possibility for him. Yeah, and look, the, the bottom line is you want to get to the market to maximize your earnings. And even if they pay him a long-term contract that, you know, takes up a nice chunk of cash and cap space, it's not going to be as much as he would get if he were on the open market. Could you believe if this guy, after the performance we saw in the Super Bowl, oh, was headed to the open market? Right. It would be a record for a defensive player. Right. I mean, he's going to be, it's going to be an Aaron Donald land, right? I mean, I know Aaron Donald signed the contract two years ago, but that's what I would expect. Am I crazy to think that? I mean, I would think that he is going to command a Khalil Mack, Aaron Donald type of contract. Uh, are you with me there? Or am I in, am I in crazy? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Because right. look, both of those guys did not get paid on the open market. Aaron Donald was under contract with the Rams, and the Bears had to give up all that draft capital before they paid Khalil Mack. I said at the time they paid Khalil Mack, if they were able to get him on the open market without having to give up multiple first-round picks, they may have given him $30 million a year, right? So if Chris Jones had found a way to the open market, and the only way he could do it as a practical matter is to uh, you know, ride out the franchise tag year to year, and it's harder for a non-quarterback to do that because of the injury possibility for a defensive player. You know, they're going to make him an offer that's going to be far more than he ever thought he was going to make in the NFL, but it's going to be significantly less than he would get on the open market. Shaq Barrett is the next guy we need to talk about. He was the PFT Defensive Player of the Year, led the league in sacks on a one-year deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He said not that long ago, Chris, that he's willing to take less to stay in Tampa because he's very cognizant of state income taxes. He doesn't want to play in California where you got to give 13.3% to the government off the top of your earnings. So I think the Bucks are going to have a chance to keep him but they may have to use the franchise tag on him before they even get to the point where they're working out a long-term deal. Well, yeah, they might have to do that. I mean, first off, it's the Bucks have a ton of money in the salary cap, so they should be able to pay a guy like this. You know, Shaq Barrett, I think, should be able to command big money, but because it's only uh, it's a kind of a one-year unicorn year, right? I don't think he's going to be able to demand money like we just talked about, like a Chris Jones or some of the other top-tier pass rushers on the list. But it's unique of the guy like this flying under the radar as the NFL sack leader, and I would think this is the guy the Bucks would want. This is a guy that you can build around, you know, and you talk about culture and a guy that's buying into everything they're doing. I think that fits, and I would imagine they find a way to keep him and sign him to a long-term deal and just figure out the right number uh, going forward. Yeah, I think you're right, and uh, I think the, the Buccaneers, as Bruce Arians, head coach of the team, has made clear in some of his recent conversations with the media the idea that uh, – we have to keep our defense together. Yeah, It's not just about who the quarterback is going to be, and they're trying to make that defense better and better. The Seahawks made their defense better last year with Jadavian Clowney. He was dominant at times. That Monday night game against the 49ers, that was arguably the best game of his career. Then he had that, that issue with the sports hernia that kind of derailed the rest of his season. Right. The Seahawks want to keep him, and, and I, they, they, the deal is set. He can't be tagged. He's going to be one of these high-end defensive players who hits the open market. What do we expect the demand to be for a guy who has been more potential than production yeah. for most of his career? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's fair to say. Now, again, you know that you know uh, he's in the top of the list as far as f the play up type of player, right? And the production doesn't always match the disruption he causes. The thing with Jaclowney, and of course, the Seahawks have great needs. Jaclowney. Well, Jaclowney. The thing for Jaclowney, okay, is they need the position desperately. It's a 
comparative to the way they play football and their defensive scheme, right? It's the 49ers, Seattle Seahawks, defensive scheme. Pass rushers are huge. Clowney's a huge talent, but injuries are a concern. Can you really sit there and go, I'm going to give $60 million guaranteed to Jadeveon Clowney? You know, there's knee issues. There's the hernia issues. He plays such a physical brand of football. So, you know, I think there's going to be great need for him, but I think where it's going to be weird is it's going to be a lot of, I think, short-term contract offers for him. I don't think anybody's just going to give him a huge pool of money and go, you're our guy for the next five years. I think he's a guy that's probably going to have to earn it every two or three years because of his injury history and the way he plays. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be a one- or a two-year thing. It's going to be what will happen if there are ever across-the-board guaranteed contracts in the NFL. And, and maybe that's not a bad thing for the players. There will be a lot more movement. There will be shorter contracts if every deal is going to be fully guaranteed, and that may be what someone has to do with Jadavian Clowney or Jaclowney, as you just called him, <laughs> in free agency in 2020. Yannick Ngakwe. Look, he's a guy who has been jostling for a contract with the Jaguars, another great pass rusher, franchise tag available for him as well, wants that deal. Uh, and, I, you know, imagine if if these guys actually were all getting to the market. Uh, I think that, that uh, you know, Jones, Barrett, and likely Ngakwe are going to get tagged, but uh, he's another guy that has proven that, that he can get it done. He's the guy who became for Jacksonville what Dante Fowler Jr. was supposed to be. Yeah, right. Well, and, you know, his stats, you know, if you want to look at that and go off of that, right, and you talk about production and all of that stuff, you know, they're better than Demarcus Lawrence with the Dallas Cowboys who signed a $100 million contract. So Yannick Ngakwe is going to be able to command that type of money. He's that type of player. This year is going to be unbelievable for this position in free agency. There is a just if anybody a, gets to the market, if they, any of you're right. I mean, that's the thing. There's a lot of teams with this positional need. There really is. And if Yannick Ngakwe could get to the market, he is going to crush it. I mean, gosh, the Tennessee Titans need it. The Jackson, I mean, the the Indianapolis Colts. Those are two teams in their own division. They put, you know, the they're, they're going to want guys like Yannick Ngakwe. The Seattle Seahawks that we just talked about. They play the same scheme the Jacksonville Jaguars play. That Seattle scheme. They're going to be in demand. So yeah, I don't know where it goes and he's probably going to get franchised too. You're right. Uh, but, man, I'm just amazed about the names as far as the pass rusher quality and the teams that need pass rushers. And then a lot of them have money to make it happen. That's where it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And Yannick's going to be able to command big money if he gets there. You're right. That's why I don't Another, like this. I'm sick of the franchise tag thing. Screw off franchise well, I, tag. You know, every July we see football players complain about the money that basketball players we've never heard of get in NBA free agency. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I think the more appropriate complaint, and I think this is one of the things we've seen play out, when a guy who got franchise tagged sees somebody who is a lesser player hit the market and strike it rich. Yeah. And, you know, right. we could see that. Like, how about an Eric Armstead? Like, the 49ers franchise tag a guy who had nine sacks in four years combined. Yeah. Ten sacks in a year where he had Nick Bosa and D Ford attracting attention. Are they going to think they can plug somebody else in that spot? Or are they going to tag Eric Armstead? He could be the guy who gets to the market. He could that be. Ngakwe and Barrett and Jones are looking at saying, what the hell? This guy has his lottery prize. Not that it's not an an unearned lottery. These guys 
deserve everything they're getting. But the way the system's set up, you can have guys who are getting more than maybe they should in relation to better players who are held in place by the tag. A hundred percent. I just, I don't like the franchise tag. I don't. You know, you talk about the draft being un-American. To me, the franchise tag is like as un-American as it gets. I mean, it's communist is what that is. All right. So that bothers me. And your, your point is very real. And, you know, as far as the Eric Armstead thing, I don't know. You know, again, where the 49ers have some balancing to do with their, their balance sheet as far as money is concerned. And, yeah, I would think they'd want to franchise him to keep that defense aligned together, but they got not a lot of money in the salary cap. They got to try to pay Jimmy Ward, who's one of the better safeties in all of football. Kyle Juszczyk, we know how important he is to that offense and that team. They got to pay him, too. They traded away a second-round pick for Emmanuel Sanders. I have a hard time believing they'll just let him walk out the door quite yet. So that one is going to be interesting to me, and you're right. I think that's the one I first look at here to go, I think he will hit the open market uh, because I think the 49ers have some other issues as far as their roster is concerned. Look, I, my attitude on the franchise tag is somewhat complicated. I, I accept the fact that it's not going anywhere, but I agree with you. I don't like it. And the, the, the best evidence that the franchise tag is not a good thing for players. The owners will still want it. <laughs> they still want it. Yeah. But, but let me go back to the early 90s. The antitrust lawsuit filed by Reggie White and others that culminated in a settlement agreement that created real free agency, right? The franchise tag was part of it, but for the guys who put their names on the lawsuit, the franchise tag could never be used on them. That tells you that the franchise tag is not a good thing, right? or uh, it would have been applicable to the guys who put their names on the lawsuit that sparked this whole free agency process. And it won't be true free agency until the ability to... Arbitra- not arbitrarily, you're strategically holding a guy in place on a team who otherwise would hit the market and make a ton of money and stretch the rubber band for everyone else. Yes, uh, that's that's where it just absolutely drives me crazy. It does. And then also, you know, the same thing. I You've probably heard me say this before. I mean, you know, what, 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 what? profession does this happen in? Hey, you're the best at your profession in the whole world, but we don't quite want to give you anything guaranteed or show you any, you know, future or anything yet. We're going to make you roll the dice one more year to make sure you're still the best profession in the world at your job. And, you know, if you mess up, well, man, that price is going to go way down, way down. Now, if you do really good, eh, maybe you'll make a smidgen more. It's, it's just BS. I don't know what else to say about it. We have already transitioned into our next segment, airing of grievances. Let's take a break, and we may have more grievances or some more thoughts on the franchise tag. I have one thought specifically that I want to share on that point. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. I like you, Mikey. I'm going to watch at some point because I want to see, you know, the three-point play, the kickoff that you just mentioned. I, I understand there's some cool wrinkles out there. I've had some friends tell me that, but I haven't watched a second, and I'm really not going to watch much. For the reason you're talking about. You know, screw the quarterback conversation. Obviously, that's not good enough. The whole league lacks star power. You know, that's why we tune into NFL football. Because we want to see special. And they're special on every NFL roster. Same thing for college football. That's Chris Sims yesterday making his thoughts known about the XFL. 
You hate the XFL. Why do you want to see the XFL? You want to see it fail. How dare you say anything bad about the XFL? You want to see it fail. That Look, you can't say... They, they have a little cult going out there on social media. I'm sure. Where if you say... If you just point out the fact that the ratings dropped from one week to the next or that fewer people showed up for the D.C. home game on week two versus week one, oh, you want to see it fail. Oh, I guess that's my grievance. All these folks who are so crazy over the top supporting the XFL who don't like it when anybody points out a fact that cuts against the idea that the XFL is going to be, as you would say, Chris, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yes. Well, yeah, I just, I, I, I don't, you know, again, and I, I understand that. What, what is that little mafia on Twitter and social media? Is it like the WWE fans who have crossed over to the XFL, you know, and they're trying to support it there too? Let me just tell you, not watching the XFL. Okay. Sorry. Not doing it. Eat it, fans. Not watching WWE oh, either. Not watching that either. So sorry, sluggers. Uh, yeah, I just I'm not. There's nothing to buy into yet. I do want to check it out for the rules, like I said, but that's about it. By the way, the WWE World Headquarters, about a half mile oh, from where you're sitting. Very close. Right? I don't remember the names of any of the wrestlers who may be in the building who could come down the street right. and throw you into a wall, but I, <laughs> I encourage them to do it. Uh, here, here's my real grievance. Okay. And this this dovetails for something we started to talk about in the last segment about the franchise tag. We yeah. don't like the franchise tag. I accept the franchise tag is going to continue to be a key part of the collective bargaining agreement because the owners don't want to give it up and the players don't want to give up the kind of concession they'd have to give up to get rid of it. However, here's what I'll say. If the Cowboys franchise tag Dak Prescott and he chooses not to show up for the offseason program, not to show up for training camp, not to show up for the preseason, and if he chooses to show up a week before the start of the regular season and signs that franchise tender and makes the full 27 or $33 million, depending upon which tag they use, I don't want to hear anybody complain because the Cowboys are the ones who pulled the pin on the grenade. If you don't want everything that goes along with a franchise-tagged player then don't franchise tag him. Let him hit the market and compete with everyone else and sign him to a contract that is influenced by what everyone else would pay him. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a novel concept? You want to keep the guy? Let him go to the market and see what else is out there like the Patriots are doing. Yeah. Have the confidence that you can make a pitch to keep him. And if you tag him, just, and you know, the Steelers, and it really pissed me off a couple of years ago when the Steelers were mad at Le'Veon Bell for not showing up for things and staying away. And look, you use the franchise tag. Right. You have a right under the CBA, and if you exercise that right, the player has rights that he can exercise. That's all it is. So don't get mad at the player who chooses to exercise his rights in response to being placed in check by the team when they use the franchise tag. Yeah. If the team doesn't want it. Don't use the franchise tag. Sign to do a contract in competition with everyone else and move forward. Well said. You know, yeah, you're, what you're saying is don't hate the player, hate the game, okay? And this is the game that the owners set up, and now the players are starting to play that game. And, yes, for whatever reason, you know, we talk about this every offseason, people seem to side with the rich white owner. I don't understand it. The, the billionaire. Bravo. You Bravo, know? billionaire. Yeah. Bravo for making that, that move where you have another $100 million on top of the money you're never going to be able to spend in 50 lifetimes. Meanwhile, the guys who are going out there putting their bodies at risk, their brains at risk, with no equity, a short-term career, they're the, I almost said something other than buttholes, when the time comes to, you know, you can say, but yeah. we've done this before, you can say 
the first half, right. and you can say the second half, you just can't put it together. Yes. Anyway, they're the buttholes when they try to maximize their earnings. It drives me crazy. Yeah, it does drive me crazy, and that's why, you know, Le'Veon Bell, to me, was it will be, you know, go down as in legendary status for what he did. You know, that was a boss move. You know, Von Miller kind of started it with his threat. And then, you know, last year we see Demarcus Lawrence. I'm not getting surgery. And so players are becoming more and more aware. And I do think the franchise tag is going to become more and more dicey for these teams to deal with because I think the players are at the point where they're willing to play hardball over this kind of stuff hey, now. Simple point, Chris. Yeah. If the Cowboys don't want to pay Dak Prescott $35 million a year, you know what he does? He says, fine, tag me. And if they use the exclusive tag that keeps him from entertaining offers from any other team, he's getting $33.4 million this year. Next year under the tag, he gets $40 million by rule. He gets a 20% raise. That's $73.4 million over two years. That's $36 million plus per year for two years. And then in year three, he gets a 44% raise if they tag him again. They won't tag him a third time. Yeah. He becomes a free agent. For other positions, that's too much of a risk to take. Right. At quarterback, especially when you've been healthy your entire career, two more years, year to year, make $73 million, make $36.5 million plus per year, and then become a free agent and force your way to the open market. And maybe you stay with the Cowboys, but they'll have to compete with everyone else on the open market. I support it. Kirk Cousins was the one who blazed this trail. I can't wait for, and sorry, Kirk, a true franchise quarterback to do what Dak Prescott is about to do. Yeah, never misses a chance to take a good old uppercut towards Kirk Cousins. Is he a top five? Is he a top five franchise quarterback? Then shut up. Then shut up. My point is that one of these guys who is a top five guy is eventually going to say, bleep you, Pay me, right? Like uh, they do in Goodfellas over and over again. Yeah, and I can't, and I support it. Yeah, turn the tables on them. I if know. they're gonna hold all these guys on teams with a franchise tag, somebody who's got the leverage and the juice. Are you listening, Patrick Mahomes? Needs to stand up and say, "I'm playing this game. Right. I'm taking this game over, and I'm breaking the bank." Hey, just I'm so you want to be know, the billionaire when my, it's all said. My done. grievance was Tennessee and Dallas. You want Dak Prescott and Ryan Tannehill. You don't want Tom Brady. Thanks for leaving me all the time. We'll be back with PFT right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 